Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year-long crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible. We'll include excerpts from his spoken ministry, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies, you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. Welcome to the Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program furnished by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee was a faithful servant of Christ in China as a young man and labored there diligently with Watchman Nee, preaching the gospel of Christ and establishing New Testament churches among the native Chinese population. The communists imprisoned Watchman Nee in 1952, and Witness Lee was forced to flee mainland China, first to Taiwan and eventually to the United States, where he continued this marvelous ministry of the New Testament. In 1974, he began the life study of the Bible, a thorough exposition of the entire Bible, emphasizing Christ as life. And again today, we bring short recorded portions of this ministry from his life study of Acts. And Dick Taylor is with us once again as we look at chapter 2. Dick, welcome back to the broadcast today. I'm happy to be here, Chris. I'm happy to be with you to exalt our wonderful Christ together in this life study ministry. The story of Watchman Nee, Dick, and Witness Lee is a very inspiring one, isn't it? It sure is. We like to mention the history from time to time for the sake of those who are not that familiar with this remarkable portion of the 20th century history of the church. Dick, today we've come to the tremendous preaching of the Apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost. We're going to spend several programs to get into this message that he gave. But today particularly we want to focus on one generally overlooked but altogether tremendous point. And that's mentioned in verse 21 of Acts chapter 2, calling on the name of the Lord. This is one of the real benchmark points in the ministry of Witness Lee, isn't it, Dick? It really is, this matter of calling on the Lord. I was a Christian for many years, Chris, and I never saw this truth in the Bible. Like the verse we touch today in this message, Acts 2.21, and it shall be that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Calling on the name of the Lord, Chris, really makes a difference in our experience of the Lord. I appreciate so much that when we open our being, exercise our spirit, even open our mouth, and even loudly call on the name of the Lord, unashamedly, this dear one becomes more precious, experiential, and enjoyable to us. Call in the Greek language is epikaleo, and it means to call out, to call out loudly upon the name of the Lord. So calling is really the way to experience the Lord. I have been so helped in my daily life. And I realize four precious points that I'd like to present right now, and that is this. When we call on the blessed name of the Lord Jesus, according to Hebrews 13, 15, right away it says that we are offering the sacrifice of praise to God continually, and we're even offering the fruit of our lips confessing his name. This means 
that when you call strongly, loudly, as the early believers did according to Acts, the first thing that happens is that God the Father is fed and satisfied with the fruit of your lips. And to confirm this, Philippians 2.11 says, Every tongue should openly confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Again, a wonderful footnote in the recovery version of the New Testament says, The result of our confessing that Jesus is Lord is that God the Father is glorified. And this is the great end of all that Christ is and has done in his person and work. Christ completed his work in ascension. He's given a name above every name. Now, when we confess his name, it results in the expression and the glory of God the Father. So, number one, when we call on the Lord, it expresses God and satisfies God. Number two, when we call on his name, in the book of Acts it mentions, and in Romans 10, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so we... As the believers, we get saved, and we'll touch this a little bit later, what this really signifies. And according to uh, Lamentations 3, it says, I called on your name out of a low dungeon. You have inclined your ear to my breathing. This means we get revived. Life starts flowing again when we're saying, Lord Jesus. It's a lot different than muttering, just mumbling. We need to call. Right away, we get revived and we get saved. Thirdly, it says in 1 Corinthians 1, 2, that we are the called saints with all those in every place who call upon the name of the Lord. When we really exercise our spirit, our believing heart, and our voice to call on the Lord, you get connected with the entire body of Christ all over the globe. This is the building of the church through calling on his name. So God's purpose is fulfilled simply by calling on the name of Jesus Christ. And number four, Psalm 18.3 says, Whenever you call on the name of the Lord, all the enemies are defeated. Isn't this wonderful? So like you said, Brother Chris, calling on the name of the Lord, the real benchmark of Brother Lee's ministry. And when we call, God is satisfied. We're revived and saved. The church has built it up and Satan is defeated. Hallelujah for the blessed name of Jesus. Dick, we're going to spend this program on this topic, and we're going to see it in the context of the message that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. I think for an introduction, we should go ahead and read these verses in Acts chapter 2 as Peter, full of the Spirit, presents this legendary gospel message to the people of Jerusalem. This is Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 21. And Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and spoke forth to them, Men of Judea and all who are dwelling in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. Amen. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is the third hour of the day. Amen. But this is what is spoken through the prophet Joel. Amen. And it shall be in the last day, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream things in dreams. Amen. And indeed, upon my slaves, both men and women, I will pour out of my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. Amen. And I will show wonders in heaven above, 
and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and notable day of the Lord comes. Amen. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Amen. Quite a message, Dick. Quite a message. Let's go to Witness Lee. Now, Peter explained the economical feeling of the Holy Spirit. That is, the outward feeling. The economical feeling of the Holy Spirit. Don't forget the breathing of the Spirit into the disciples in John 20 was essential. And the feeling of the Holy Spirit on the disciples was economical. When we say essential, we mean it is for life and living and existence. When we say economical, we mean it is for the world, the ministry, and the most. And this economical feeling of the Holy Spirit is just the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This is not the breathing of the Holy Spirit, but the outpouring. And this Holy Spirit actually is, and essentially, is the resurrected and ascended Christ himself. This outpour spirit is just the resurrected and ascended Christ himself, essentially. And this is poured out upon men of flesh, upon all flesh, and this term, all flesh, means all mankind, all men of flesh, that they may call on the name of the Lord to be saved. The pouring out of the Holy Spirit among human beings of flesh was for a purpose that all the human beings may call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. This is why Paul in Romans 10 tells us that today if one would be saved, this one has to call on the name of the Lord. Listen, there in Romans 10, Paul says two things. Number one, to be justified. And number two, to be saved. To be justified is somewhat a kind of a inner thing. Inner thing. To be saved is somewhat an outward thing. Paul says in Romans 10, to be justified is by believing in your heart. You just believe in your heart that the Lord died for you. Then you are justified. You are justified in the presence of God. But that's something in it. But to be saved, you need to call. Dick, this is really fascinating, how verse 21 fits into the context of Joel's prophecy. What is the relationship, Dick, between the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, calling on the name of the Lord, and being saved? 
it's really helpful to see, firstly, that Christ today is the ascended Christ. He is now in his ascension. He was incarnated to become flesh. He lived his God-man human living on this earth. He died a wonderful death. He was resurrected from the dead. And not only that, he ascended to the throne in the heavens. So Christ is in ascension. And he is there now in the heavens on the throne. But through and because of his ascension, he's been poured out as the all-inclusive wonderful spirit. In resurrection, he became a life-giving spirit. But in ascension, he was poured out upon all flesh as the all-inclusive spirit. Our need as human beings and our need as Christians is this Christ. We need more of him. And all that he is, that is, he's God, he's man, he's divine, he's human, He's the God-man who perfectly expresses divinity through humanity. He is love. He's joy. He's peace. He's the reality of every positive thing in the universe. He's all that we need for our need and also for God's purpose. This wonderful Christ, with all that he is and all he's accomplished, this all-inclusive one has now been poured out as the wonderful, all-inclusive, life-giving spirit. And he's poured out, it says in this verse, upon all flesh. The purpose of his being poured out is so that mankind could call on the exalted name of the Lord Jesus and actually receive him into their spirit. There is a part of our being called our human spirit. And when we call on the exalted name of the Lord, That's when we get saved. That is, this wonderful Christ, as the invisibly poured out Spirit on this earth, upon all men, when we call on the Lord's name, Lord Jesus, right away he comes into us, not physically, but as the wonderful Spirit who has already been poured out, as we see in the book of Acts chapter 2. And to believe in the Lord, as we see in this broadcast, is something more inward and allows us to be justified by God. According to Romans 10.9, when we believe in our hearts that God raised Christ from the dead, this believing is unto righteousness. In other words, we become justified by God by believing in the crucified and resurrected Christ. But it says when we call on his name, the result is salvation. So to be saved is something even more outward. There's something inward, being justified by believing, yes, right away we're justified. But salvation is also something that becomes God's expression on this earth. A person is saved, God is expressed through that person. The best way for God to be expressed through a person is by this person being not only a believer, but a caller. We need to be those who call on the Lord's name, to get saved from so many things every day that replace our God in our living. How about uh, being saved from the world every day? What's the world? The world is anything that replaces God. How about religion? How about getting saved from religion? What's religion? Religion is just worshiping God with no enjoyment of Christ. And so he's poured out, we do the calling, and he does the saving. 
Dick, you referred to Romans chapter 10. It not only says in that chapter that we are saved, then it says the Lord is rich to all who call on his name. This is an experience we need daily, not just the day of our salvation initially, right? That's right. That's a good verse. The Lord is rich to all who call. Lord Jesus. Dick, this matter of calling uh, that we have touched on, we're going to stay with it today. It's developed in a marvelous way and really crystallized in a footnote to this verse 21 in chapter 2 in the recovery version of the Bible. Maybe we could just read this portion together and then you can comment uh, as we go along. Let me begin here by once again referring to verse 21. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And the note begins this way. Calling on the name of the Lord is not a new practice that began with the New Testament. Rather, it began with Enosh, the third generation of mankind in Genesis 4:26, And then it was continued by Job, Abraham, Isaac, Moses, and the children of Israel. Samson, Samuel, David, the psalmist Asaph, the psalmist Heman, Elijah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and others, all of whom practiced this in the Old Testament age. Isaiah charged the seekers of God to call upon him. Even the Gentiles knew that the prophets of Israel had the habit of calling on the name of God. The Gentile raised up by God from the north also called on his name. It is God's commandment and desire that his people call on him. This is the joyful way to drink from the fountain of God and the enjoyable way to delight oneself in God, that is, to enjoy him. Hence, God's people must call upon him daily. Such a jubilant practice was prophesied by Joel concerning the New Testament jubilee. Dick, what about this chronicle of the Old Testament saints that practiced calling? This is tremendous, and it shows that it's not a new practice. This was the way they experienced God, by calling strongly on the name of God. I like that uh, last couple of sentences you read, Chris. This is the joyful way to drink of the fountain of God's salvation. Wow, salvation is not something uh, ritualistic and, okay, now you do this, point one, point two, and you have a little thing called salvation. Calling on the Lord's name is the joyful way to drink from the fountain of God's salvation and the enjoyable way to delight oneself in God. Who wants to just kind of have a religious relationship with God? I like this. How about we have an enjoyable way to delight ourselves in God? I like to delight myself in him every day. God's people must call upon him daily. And this is, uh, it mentions here, you read, Chris, it says a jubilant practice. Jubilant means you're having a good time. This is the heavenly ball game. This is the real fun and enjoyment in the universe. Uh, the footnote continues, and it's quite lengthy, so for the sake of time, I'll just refer to it. The story of Stephen as he was being stoned is also related to this matter of calling. Give us the background. Tell us the story briefly and then relate Stephen's experience regarding this very particular matter that we're talking about, the calling on the name of the Lord. Stephen was preaching a very strong message to the unbelieving Jews, and he spoke with all boldness the word of God. And at a certain point he said, I see the heavens open, and I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. The Jews who were listening at that point says they were stiff-necked, and they came upon him and threw stones at him, 
and were stoning him to death. And there was a young man named Saul who was holding the garments while he was being stoned to death. That was eventually the Apostle Paul. But he watched Stephen dying. And Stephen, while he's being stoned to death, in chapter 7, verse 59, it says, And they stoned Stephen as he called upon the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Don't think that he was just there in a religious, kind of methodical way, naming the Lord's name. He was calling, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then, in oneness with the Lord, kneeling down, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. He became the duplication of Christ on the cross. When he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So this one delighted himself in the Lord by calling on his name and left an indelible impression in Saul, who later became the Apostle Paul. And he is the one who spoke the most about calling on the Lord's name through Stephen's experience of calling on the name of the Lord. It leads us to see something very significant about the Apostle Paul. Dick, that's exactly where we want to go. We intended at this point to have another short portion from Witness Lee, but the tape at this portion of the recording is just not up to a standard that we can broadcast. So we're going to take another one of his footnotes from the recovery version to bring out this point related to how significant calling was in the conversion of the Apostle Paul. Of course, as you mentioned, Saul of Tarsus, before his conversion, had authority from the chief priests to persecute the callers. And we can see this in chapter 9. Here Ananias is speaking to the Lord. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many concerning this man, how many evil things he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call upon your name. Then Paul's own words in chapter 22, as he's making his defense outside the temple. And a certain Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well attested to by all the Jews dwelling there, came to me and standing by said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And now, why do you delay? Rise up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. The footnote here to verse 16 is very marvelous. Calling on the Lord's name here was a means for Paul to wash away his sins committed in arresting so many of the believers who called on the Lord's name. All the believers knew that he had considered calling on the Lord's name a sign of those whom he should arrest. Now he had turned to the Lord. In order for Paul to wash away before God and before all the believers the sins that he had committed in persecuting and arresting the Lord's callers, he was charged by Ananias to call on the name that he had formerly abhorred. He had to do this and act contrary to his former practice at his baptism, in which he made a public confession of the Lord whom he persecuted. Dick, after a message like this, it's clear that calling on the name of the Lord is an extremely important item in the life of the Christian. Yet the teaching concerning this has been virtually lost. 
How do we explain that it's been lost, particularly where in Paul's case it was such a vital component of his experience and he was responsible for so much of the New Testament? I don't know how we can explain it, but I am certainly happy for this ministry because through this ministry, this practice, which is so evident in all the epistles of Paul, is recovered in such a clear way. If you would, uh, again, look up your in your recovery version, just a verse like, uh, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, and the Lord is rich to all who call upon him. Just look at a footnote, like to the word call. Right away you'll see many, many uh, verses. For example, Chris mentioned it, I've mentioned it in Romans 10, 12, the same Lord is Lord of all and rich to all who call upon him. Well, there's a footnote there related to the word call. You look in the margin, 23 verses just in reference to that one verse. How this could have been covered and hidden, I don't know. It was really Satan. Because Satan surely hates to hear anyone open their being and to unashamedly name the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus is Lord. Surely Satan would like to bury this. He doesn't want anyone to enjoy God or to delight themselves in God, or to build up the body of Christ, or to experience Christ as their salvation. And certainly he doesn't want to be defeated. So he would cloud and cover this matter of calling on the name of the Lord. But we have to thank the Lord so much that through this ministry, the Lord has recovered this precious practice of calling on our exalted dear Lord Jesus and enjoying him delighting ourselves in him, being saved by him, building his body, defeating his enemy, and even ultimately glorifying God and satisfying him with the fruit of our lips. Jesus is Lord. Dick, as you have, and I would also thank the Lord for this ministry that has recovered such an item to the daily practice and experience of the saints in the New Testament. Amen. We mention this because you use the word recovered. This is the recovery version, perhaps maybe not a better example in the entire New Testament to illustrate what this version is all about. Amen. Illuminating, shining, and bringing forth these hidden gems back to the portion and inheritance of the New Testament believers. We do not say this in a desire just to sell books or to sell no, Bibles. No, no. We commend this version of the Bible, a marvelous translation, faithful to the New Testament Greek language, and replete with these marvelous footnotes. And if you'll call us, we'll let you know how you can receive that. And the toll-free number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 543-3788. Our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. And our email address is radio at lsm.org. Be with us for another marvelous message. For Dick Taylor today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening, and please call upon the name of the Lord. Amen. This program is brought to you by Living Stream Ministry publisher of the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. To find out more, we invite you to visit our website, lsm.org. There you'll find more than 600 titles from both authors available online. 
You can also listen to recordings of Witness Lee's spoken messages and see the full array of material that Living Stream has to offer. Again, that's lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.